Coming up next, the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 2020-2. Under the law and works of the law, what does it all mean? Well, it results in a theology that is often referred to as the grace versus law works versus faith controversy. We'll talk about it next, coming up here on Ancient Roads. Ancient Roads. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads. Real Israel, talk radio. Take me home. Take me home. Ancient Roads. Join us for the next hour as we explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting. Bible's lessons and narratives. Now, here's our host, Avi Ben-Mordechai. Okay, we are back again for another program here of uh, Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. I'm Avi Ben-Mordechai, and uh, we're going to have a look at that continued uh, understanding of the uh, works of the law, the uh, grace versus law, faith versus works controversy, and uh, talk a little bit about what this all refers to, what does it mean. It is uh, quite prevalent in our world today, in the, at least in the theological world, and uh, these uh, two statements works of the law, under the law, well, they, uh, you know, they often uh, refer to um, keeping and doing the law of Moses, as most people would understand it. Uh, It's uh, called the uh, Hebrew Torah for uh, uh, folks that would understand that terminology. So in other words, uh, if we seek to hear and do the Torah, as it was given to us, you know, through Moses then uh, one would be subjected to a a whole unnecessary system of ceremonial slavery, as um, a lot of folks would understand it. And in uh, some circles, even, it's a slavery to what they might call moral absolutes, which a lot of people will say that that just uh, is not necessary today. It's kind of more like moral relativism, meaning we kind of go with the flow. Whatever the uh, relative uh, morality is of the particular culture, the particular time frame, then that's what we do. But uh, that's not uh, that's not what the Torah, what the law of Moses actually teaches. But uh, it's nonetheless one of those uh, things that we seem to understand. And when I say we, I'm referring collectively to uh, you know to the to the uh, Messianic Christian uh, world in which we live. Okay, we have some passages that we talked about the last time. Uh, Let me give you a couple of examples so that we can uh, understand this a bit better. For example, Galatians 5.18, If you are led by the Spirit, you are not 
under the law. That's how people would understand it. What you see is what you get. Romans 9, 31 through 32 is another example. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Paul then asks, why? And his answer is, because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. For they stumbled at that stumbling stone. And of course, um, as people will oftentimes uh, understand that, uh, that statement by Paul, it's going to be understood pretty much as uh, not doing or not listening to or making any kind of a, uh, uh, of a, of a lifestyle in the law of Moses, the Torah, the Mosaic law. In other words, kind of a free-for-all, follow the Spirit, do as you kind of want to do. Again, I come back down to the principle of moral relativism, what uh, the book of Genesis in chapter 1 would call tohu vevohu, tohu vevohu. Simply put, a place of uh, chaotic sameness, I guess would be the best way to put that. But we'll actually cover this idea on a future podcast, okay? Now, Paul, being the uh, brilliant man that I believe he was, really understood that it was not an issue of grace versus law in the sense of God's grace versus the law that Moses passed down to us from the Almighty One. You see, I, I don't see that he was talking about that in the least. No, I really don't. What I see is that he's referencing the idea of two laws, two completely different sets of rules, regulations, lifestyle, understandings, things like that. And I want to talk about these two laws, if you would uh, like to follow along with me, okay? Now, again, as I, um, you know, stated previously on a previous program, many years ago, I was living a Messianic, Orthodox Jewish lifestyle. And uh, I would say that I was pretty entangled in Judaism, and, uh, you know, I, I really didn't get the message that Paul was trying to drive home. Because in all of his letters, particularly in Galatians, uh, you know, I stopped reading and trying to understand him and all of his New Testament teachings. I considered him just, just a bit way over the top, you know, a little too crazy, too convoluted in his ideas. And I just did not understand how he could possibly be talking out of both sides of his mouth, saying, in a sense, the law of Moses was good, but on another sense, saying, don't do the law of Moses. It just made no sense to me. So... It was really 
only much later on in my Torah lifestyle that I realized, um, you know, pretty much what he was getting at. But it took me some time. So I came to experience what is called in Judaism a, uh, a chidush. Now, chidush is kind of like a lightning flash. It's a, a flash of insight. It's sort of like it hit me, and I said, whoa, what is he getting at? Oh, is that what it's all about? And, you know, really, I've got to say that that, that, that has to come from our Father in Heaven. I mean, I I can't sit here and take credit and say, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was just so brilliant, I figured it out. No. Our Father in Heaven has to bring this kind of an understanding to the mind. It's really, it's Him, totally, okay? So if you, if you deal with a lot of people in your ministry, in your work, uh, whether it's at school, at home, among family members, and, and you're really struggling trying to help people to understand what this is all about, this Torah business. What is it? Why is it important? Why are these issues so necessary to deal with in this walk of faith, this New Testament walk of faith? I would only simply say to you, um, don't become so so bogged down in getting so frustrated with people that it, it just eats you alive. Don't don't do it because it takes chidush. It takes an understanding, a flash of insight, for people to wake up and say. Oh, is that what he's talking about? And that really has to come from our Father in Heaven. It really does. And uh, I would just suggest that you not let this eat you alive, okay? Because uh, uh, I've been there, done that. I know what it feels like, okay? And in truth, Paul was speaking about two different laws, pitting one law against another law. So what are those two laws that he was referring to? They were two bodies of teaching, one coming from uh, rabbinic Judaism of his day, which was all oral at the time. Oral meaning it was passed down by, uh, you know, master to student, by father to son. It was a uh, it was called Torah Shabbat which is oral law. So this oral law of rabbinic Judaism is uh, is really the uh, the issue that Paul is dealing with in Galatians. But it was not something that had been written down. It was something that was just passed down by word of mouth. And the idea is that of. Uh, Pitting it against the written law of Moses, which was a written tradition of Holy Scripture. Well, when I came to kind of understanding this concept of these two different um, bodies of teaching that were 
coming up against one another, in Paul's mind at least. It led me to the publishing of a book uh, titled Galatians, a Torah-based commentary in first century Hebraic context. And yet still from this, the Almighty One grew my understanding even further. I believed that I had received maybe you know, an additional piece of the puzzle to this whole theological conundrum that we uh, have found ourselves in. Some 14 years later, after writing Galatians, uh, I uh, took this uh, this chidush, this understanding, and uh, um, then he began showing me uh, another additional piece to the message. And I wrote up a follow-up to the grace versus law controversy, but uh, wrote it from the position of what I called coming home. I was coming home to something that was very real, very important, coming home to Jerusalem above. It's not that Jerusalem below is not important, not at all. It's that my priority was flip-flopped. It was wrong. I have to first go to the Jerusalem above and understand what that is all about. Once we get that above, everything else falls into place. So the book I wrote was Coming Home, the Genesis Creation Story. Now, in the Genesis creation story, it really has its foundation in Genesis 2.17. Genesis 2.17. The concept is called the Etz Hada'at Tov Virah. The Etz Hada'at Tov Virah. And uh, in English, that would simply be the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, when Paul spoke of being under the law, and when he wrote about doing the works of the law, uh, I think he was taking his readers back to the theological foundation of rabbinic Judaism's oral law. Everything has to go back to a source code, back to a beginning, to, a, uh, to an embryo, a seed. And I think that Paul was taking his readers back to the uh, so-called the source code of Genesis 2.17. And in that verse, it is written, Yehovah Elohim commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, I read this in the Hebrew text, and it was coming off just a little bit different in certain aspects of it. And I'm going to now read you what I uh, what I understood as I was looking at it in the in the Hebrew um, of the passage. So here's what it says. Yehovah Elohim commanded the man, saying, From all of the garden tree eat, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, no eating from him. For in the day that you eat from him, in dying you will die. 
or perhaps you could read it, to die, you will die. So if you look at that, that's, uh, uh, it, it says something. It, it's very, it's, it's very powerful because there's two deaths going on here. And we don't always get that nuance when it simply says you will surely die. We don't really get it. But in saying to die or in dying, you will die. Now you have it twice. And what's very interesting is that I think Yeshua was going right to the core of that idea in Genesis 2.17. Over in John 8.23 through 25, notice his words. He says to the Purushim, to the Pharisees of his day, You are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you, you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe, or if you don't have faith that I am he, you will die in your sins. And, of course, they said to him, well, who are you? <laughs> and Yeshua, he says to them, well, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning, which I would understand is what I have been saying to you from Breshit, from in the beginning, from Genesis. And here we have in Yeshua's um, retort back to the Pharisees, he's saying the word you will die in your sins. You will die in your sins. So he's actually he's saying it twice. And that would match with the idea of in dying, you will die from Genesis 2.17. So I knew right there that Yeshua clearly understood the idea of the two deaths. Well, he would have to understand it being who he said he was. And uh, it's it's an idea that um, that uh, maybe maybe we're not getting it today. We've missed the nuance because we're not really looking at uh, Genesis two seventeen in the way that I think that perhaps we should have a closer look at it. Okay, so when Yeshua was addressing these issues, he was pitting it. This idea of in dying you will die, pitting it against the other tree that was in the Garden of Eden called the Etz HaChaim, that is, the tree of life. Etz HaChaim, the tree of life. So in John 7:15, when Yeshua was addressing the idea from the question that was being posed to him, when the religious leaders had asked him, well, how, how does this man know letters? How does he know the written texts of the Torah? But having never studied, how, how would he know that stuff? And of course, his answer was, well, my doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. And uh, the essence of that is quite clear, going back to Genesis 2.9 and 2.17, 
making a reference to a contrast between Judaism's oral law and uh, all those traditions compared to the Heavenly Father's oral law of the Spirit of the Word. See, the Spirit of the Word does have an oral aspect to it because it was spoken to Moses, who then wrote it down. But it was given to him by mouth. So this is important because it's really two oral laws and both have been written down. One was from the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the other was from the tree of life. And these two aspects are fighting each other. They're, uh, you know, going against each other. They're being pitted against each other. And uh, it is an important principle that I think we really need to take a look at. Pretty much it, uh, it, it can be understood from two passages, which I dealt with on the last program, John 1.14 and Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11. Okay? And uh, these two passages talk about the Word becoming flesh, and it is what, uh, you know, dwelt among us, or He is what dwelt among us, and uh, that is the one that goes forth from heaven and returns to heaven. So, by the time that Paul arrived on the scene of the Judaism of his day as a believer in Yeshua later on in his life, uh, during the time of Judaism's Second Temple period, he had already spent a good number of his young adult years immersed into the oral law and traditions of the fathers. And for that, you can go back to Galatians 1.14, okay? So consequently, he was well acquainted with the written law of Moses and the oral law of the Pharisees and what would later come to be known as rabbinic or Talmudic Judaism. So given his many years of experience walking in the oral traditions of his day, Paul understood, I believe, the Pharisaic religious system and the seed from which it had sprouted. So we're going to come back after our uh, short break, and uh, we're going to take a look at this under the law and works of the law, and uh, we're going to connect it to Genesis 2.17, Genesis 2.9, and Genesis chapter 3. Stay with us. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio with Avi Ben Mordechai. If you wish to stay up to date with coming home news and information, simply register your email address with us on our website, www.cominghome.co.il. From time to time, we hope to answer questions and comments from our podcast listeners. So if you have a comment or a question, send us an email to our email address, questions at cominghome.co.il. Again, questions at cominghome.co.il. Please tell us your first name and where you are from. 
Also, we would appreciate it greatly if you will do your best to keep your questions short and to the point. Questions will be answered in upcoming podcasts from time to time. Stay with us and we will be back to continue the second half of this podcast, Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. This is the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Join us as we now continue on our journey to explore and discover insights into the ancient biblical Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. You are listening to Avi Ben Mordechai and the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, episode 2020-2. Welcome back to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Join us as we continue to explore and discover insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. Once again, here's your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. Okay, welcome back to our second half of this one-hour program, and um, we're going to continue with our uh, look into what Paul wrote here about being under the law and doing the works of the law. Now, keep in mind that I do not believe for a moment that he just pulled the concepts out of thin air. I think he understood Genesis 2.17, Genesis 2, 9, Genesis chapter 3 in its entirety, all as it's relating to the Etz Hadat Tov Verah, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And uh, the fruit growing on that particular tree is called the fruit of sin and death. Thus, in all of Paul's letters, particularly in Romans and Galatians and Corinthians, We're going to see Paul's references to the law of life in the Etzachayim, that is the tree of life, and the law of sin and death, which is in the uh, Etzadatov Vera, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is precisely what Yeshua was addressing in John chapter 8, long before Paul even said it. Okay? So when you look at uh, John eight forty three through forty four, um, Yeshua says to the religious leaders of his day, "Why do you not understand my speech?" He says, "Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the Nachash." the devil, often translated into English, from Genesis 3.1. 
And he goes on to say, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, from Genesis. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is the father of the lie. He goes on to say that. So like Yeshua and like Paul, like Kepha, Peter, 100%, they all understood that the seed of the fruit growing from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, that seed, it grew into sin and death. And that is precisely where we are in today's, uh, today's world. So when we look at Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 40, when Kepha, Peter, is standing there on those, the, what I believe is the grand staircase there on the southern steps of the Temple Mount, uh, at least that's my opinion, okay? Uh, he's saying to uh, uh, several thousand people that are gathered in that location, repent. And let each and every one of you be immersed in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Ruach of the Spirit of the Holy One. Then he says, for the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as Yehovah our Elohim will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them. And that's what he was saying. So I can clearly understand this principle of what he was talking about in Acts chapter 2. Now, he says, be saved from this perverse generation. And you always will come to the understanding of a perverse generation from another Hebrew term that uh, is called avon, with an ein, avon. And uh, it's a word that refers to um, a twisting, a bending, a distortion. And uh, in my mind, it's uh, pretty clear that that's going all the way back to Genesis 3, when the serpent, that twisted serpent, that distorting serpent, uh, could have easily been called a perverse creature because of the way he moves like a serpent, like a snake. And Peter boldly said, be saved from this perverse generation. And the Hebraic idea behind that perversity is uh, uh, really pretty clear to me. It's about the effects of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's about everything that that tree would stand for. Okay? So, the ancients of Messianic Judaism understood uh, that walking in the footsteps of Yeshua uh, meant something very specific. It meant that you could be saved from a genetic connection to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the poison fruit of 
the the the, the, the sin and death. Uh, that was the fruit that was growing on on the tree. Okay, so it's a genetic connection. That's how I would understand it here today. It's a genetic connection, a DNA connection to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I believe that this was at the heart of Paul's theology in referring to the works of the law and living under the law. And uh, this is why I believe Yeshua said in Matthew 16, 24 through 26, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That's very, very important. Oh, that's that's extremely important because there has to be a death because the almighty eternal one looks at Genesis 2.17, his decree, when he says, in dying you will die. Those are the two deaths. First death, second death. He cannot turn a blind eye to it. There must be a fulfillment of that decree. It must be fulfilled. He has to complete that decree. He cannot just say, oh, make it go away. Oh, I won't look at it. It's not important. Oh, forget it. I was just emotional when I said it. No, 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 no. He says, in dying, you will die. So that decree must be taken care of. And so therefore, Yeshua says, whoever loses his life for my sake or in my sake, what I'm going to do, that one is going to find life. That's important too. Then he says, for what profit is it if a man, if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? What is a man going to give in exchange for his soul? Matthew 16, 24 through 26. What will you give in exchange for your soul? I mean, if you want, are going to die for your own sins, as Judaism teaches that you actually can, I would say to that, sure, you could die for your own sins if you want, but hey, when you're dead, you're dead. Because you don't have any resurrection. Because the resurrection doesn't come from you. It comes from him. So if you're going to die for your sins, then you will be dead. And your deadness, your deadness is directly connected to the second death. You're not going to have a resurrection out of the second death. You go into it. A person will go into it. That's pretty serious stuff. And if that's true, which I believe it is, then we had better pay attention to the principles involving this second death. And that is what I think this whole New Testament salvation is all about. We are saved from the genetic connection from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with its fruit of sin and death leading us to the second death. We're saved from that whole horrific, terrible, terrible thing that is coming upon all of humanity. Is it because God, Yehovah, the Almighty One, just hates us all and wants to push us all into hell or something? No, not at all. This is not what this is about. 
The issue is we are refusing to disconnect from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Humanity refuses to disconnect from that tree. In other words, as it's said in John chapter 1, men loved the darkness rather than the light. So we refuse to disconnect. And that has consequences. Okay? Therefore, we need to pay attention to what those consequences are, in my understanding. So this takes us again back to Genesis 2.17, which is the principle, in dying, you will die. In dying, you will die. The Hebrew is mot tamut, mot tamut. And it's an ancient Hebraic law decree. The two deaths that must be satisfied. So therefore, Yeshua says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And since every one of us, since every one of us, folks, are from Adam, we're from the seed, the descendant of Adam, since the Garden of Eden, the eternal divine law or decree has remained the same forever because Yehovah remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And a passage for that is Hebrews 13.8. Okay? So, do I like being the bearer of bad news? No, not at all. I would like to be the bearer of good news. And the bearer of good news says there is a way to get disconnected from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is Paul's entire theology about the new man in Messiah inside. The new inner man versus the old man. He's talking about the two that's going on here. And it's going to be in our resurrection when we're really going to fully appreciate this new man in Messiah. That's when things are really going to be well understood. And it's for each of us who will get disconnected from that tree through Yeshua. Okay? Because we are all descendants of Adam. Every one of us, we're all down line. And uh, when the word through Yeshua was subjected to the two deaths when he was on that execution tree, the cross, it had to fulfill the Genesis 2.17 decree. Uh, and, uh, and you, you know, you have to think about this for a moment and think, why is it that the cross is also called the tree? Why did Yeshua hang on the tree? Because it's the etzadat tovirah. It's the image. It's the metaphor. It's the picture of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He's taking all of that horrific stuff, the sin and death seed that he took upon himself, according to Isaiah 53. He took it upon himself. He brought it over 
to the tree, and he died on the tree in a physical death. And it's there that he knew what was coming next. Why do you think, my friends, he was in the garden? Remember the Garden of Gethsemane, Garden Gethsemane? Why was he there sweating drops of blood and praying as if begging from the Father, saying, please, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Why would he be in that position saying that? I think because he knew where he, he was going next. He knew it, and he said, Nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. And that, I believe, is what was driving him to that incredible agony that he was experiencing all alone while the disciples slept under the influence of having a little bit too much to eat and drink. And he was indeed saying, Father, I know where I'm going next. I'm going into the second half of Genesis 2.17. In dying, you will die. Yes, that's where he was headed. And he came out of that through resurrection, according to the promise of Psalm 16. You will not allow your Holy One, your Just One, to see corruption. That's true. He would not. So he resurrected out of it. And it's those two deaths that get fulfilled, canceling the narrative, the decree of Genesis 2.17. For us, salvation was granted in his name. That is the salvation, my friend. It is his salvation to all of us who live in this perverse generation. We live as and produce the fruit of a distorted, twisted seed inherited through Adam's downline. Corrupted. Yes, corrupted because of what happened in the Garden of Eden with the Etzadah Tovirah, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Recall in the creation story, a tree is always decreed to produce after its own kind. You know that. Just read Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 through 12. Everything produces after its own kind. Since in the Garden of Eden, when the seed of Adam's corruption was sown, all life has been dying and reproducing corruption after its kind. The challenge is to sever our connection to that corrupted tree and to enter into life through a new tree. Through Yeshua's two deaths, the old seed of Adam died, the one we inherited. Then with Yeshua's third day resurrection, the new seed was raised up to produce a new eternal man. And this new seed is not corrupted. No, it's not. It is a new seed from the tree of life, 
And in Yeshua, he is the seed from the tree of life, and thus in him, like kind produces like kind. Again, going back to the principle of Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 to 12. Like kind produces like kind. So, therefore, when you are in Yeshua, you are producing Yeshua in you, his seed. We're switching trees, so to speak, when we are reconceived and reborn from above. And Yeshua made this possible, which is precisely why he said, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So with our birth into this world, we all start off with slavery to a system of man-made religion because of what we inherited, all of it with its manifestations and flavors. In this world, we function according to the genetic code that is embedded in the seed that belongs to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That seed produces works of the law, which is the fruit that grows from the seed of sin and death. In this, Yeshua presents to us a solemn reminder, which again comes from John 8, 23 through 24. You are from beneath, and I am from above. And that takes us back to Psalm 137, verse 15, that idea. You were of this world, I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you, you will die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So that challenge comes down to each of us. Accept that Yeshua died a first death, physical and a second death, spiritual, in the name of Yehovah for each of us, and then through his third-day resurrection, he redeemed us and gave to us his justness, or, if you will, his righteousness, tzedek in Hebrew, and a great salvation. Do not accept Yeshua, and instead... You'll die the first required death, physical, which all of us go through, and then go into a second death in our own name. That is, without Messiah the Word, because the Word is Jehovah's fire suit, if you'd want to put it that way. Now, if we choose option two, to die both deaths in our own merit, that would be defined as the works of the law. And Jehovah most certainly will allow for it, but then we remain hopeless because we will need a resurrection to get out of the second death. And there is no possibility for a resurrection in the face of the living Torah, according to Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. So therefore, it was Yeshua who said, I say you will die in your sins if you don't believe in me. Indeed, the law of life is in the Torah of life, the Word made flesh. Our life cannot be in the works of the law of sin and death in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No longer must we choose to live under the law of sin and death. No, 
by grace, through faith, we are now a new creation in the Word. We are now a new creation in the Word. We are now a new creation in the Word. Therefore, let us hear and do the Word, that is, the Torah. And in hearing and doing, according to Luke 8, 19-21, we are wonderfully rehearsing for that great last day. When we wake up to the voice of the Torah calling out to us to rise from death. That is, in John 5, 27-29, Daniel 12, 1-2, Revelation 2, 11, Revelation 20, verses 13-15, coming out from the first death to a resurrection of life, because the second death will no more have its claim on our life according to the Genesis 2.17 decree. Thus, we are saved from the works of the law of sin and death. This is the gospel. This is the good news. Thanks for joining us today for Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio. Take me home. Listening to the podcast of Ancient Roads, Real Israel Talk Radio, with your host, Avi Ben Mordechai. We hope you have discovered fresh insights into the ancient Jewish and Hebraic ways of understanding and interpreting the Bible's lessons and narratives. This podcast was brought to you by the Outreach Ministry of Coming Home, www.cominghome.co.il. Yah willing, we'll see you next time for Ancient Roads. Real Israel, talk radio.